I was praying a lot about what I was going to teach and preach on coming back here now for this time. Up ahead, I think I already mentioned this to you, in September we'd like to start a series on the book of Hebrews. And I'm looking forward to that, and I hope you are too. Pray for us, Katie and I, as we go through this and truly understand what God wants to teach us through this ancient book. It has so much in there. But I thought, well... Well, for one thing, Kent Penner said, don't start it until we get back. (laughs) And so I promised him that I would, I hold off. But I think I'll start it in September on Hebrews. In the meantime, I've got about seven Sundays before then to share with you the What Is series that uh, I masterminded on, on my vacation. What is, and then blank, And this morning, we're going to talk about what is baptism. You know, we we think that uh, we just kind of throw this word around, but we don't even know what it means, truly means. How many have been to a baptism? If you haven't seen it, or even if you have seen it, how many of you really understand what baptism is about? Baptism is something that is not in the Old Testament. It is a New Testament. Well, it's actually before the New Testament, but it's right in the middle part of between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The concept of baptism is really very, very deep. It's not just about somebody putting on a gown and we're filling up a big tub with water, and they getting in there and getting all wet and coming out. There's deep meaning in baptism. And we're going to go through this with some scriptures that maybe you have read, but you just really didn't connect it all in one concept or idea of baptism. The literal meaning of baptism is a Greek word. It means to dip or submerge in water. Literally, that's what that means. Why do Christians get baptized? What is significant about being dunked in water? What is the meaning of all this? Is it to wash our sins away? To make us all clean? I mean... When you've taken a shower in the morning, then you go and put your, this gown on and then you get into this water that maybe somebody else who also got baptized with you or maybe there was 10 people that got baptized when you did and you were the last one. I think you better go home and get washed again. <laughs> so it's not to make us clean, either outwardly or inwardly. Being dipped, what does that mean? It's got to have more meaning than just the water, getting in the water and getting wet. Dave likes to go to the swimming pool, but I don't think he calls, I'm going to go get baptized today at the, uh, which swimming pool is that? Anyway, so we're going to focus on baptism because I believe it is one of the most important 
things that we do in the church. It is very precious. It has very deep meaning. And I think that there are many of you who probably have not been baptized. But you call yourself a Christian. And here is an opportunity for you to know and to experience what the true meaning of baptism is. It is not a ritual nor a ceremony, but it is very important to us as Christians. It doesn't save us. It doesn't even wash away our sins. It is a meaningful, deeply meaningful experience. And I encourage you, if you have not been baptized, but you believe in Jesus Christ, you've received him as your Savior, you confessed him as your Lord, you know that he has washed your sins away because of his death on the cross and his resurrection that has given you hope and life and freedom from sin and death, that you would really understand what baptism is all about. And it's an opportunity for you to think about being baptized. It wouldn't make you a better Christian necessarily, but it would really bring a deeper meaning. And I trust that this message will give this to you. It is a picture. It's an outward performance of an inward miracle that uh, has happened to us. A simple definition that I've come up with is... It is declaring outwardly our inner faith in Jesus Christ. It's an outward act with our body and demonstrating not only to ourselves, but also those of our friends and neighbors and family, or maybe those who don't even know Jesus Christ yet, what this is about and that it's important to you. You understand that we need a Savior. It is really much like a wedding ceremony. There are two people involved in a wedding, right? Well, there's a pastor or an official. But you know what? He doesn't count. It's the man and woman who stand there and say those vows. There's two people in a wedding ceremony. That's why everybody comes. They don't come to see the pastor. In fact, can you even name the the name of the pastor who married you, those of you who are married? Well, I can. Katie can. But many of us don't. It was just a guy. Maybe he had a collar that, you know, looked very official. Or maybe just at the city office. In a wedding ceremony, there's the bride and the groom. In baptism... There are two people, two persons that are involved in baptism. Oh, yeah, the person that's getting baptized and the pastor or the deacon or whoever is baptizing. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh, no. It is, and this is where it really touches my heart. For every baptism I have performed, it's greater than doing a wedding ceremony. Because I am the closest person standing there 
observing what is happening with two people, two persons. The person who is declaring their faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ himself. Wow! That is incredible. That is what is happening in a baptismal service. It's those two people. Jesus has already given covenant promise through his death on the cross and his resurrection and his ascension. But he has commanded us to go and be baptized. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The pastor or the official in a baptism is not really the central person. It's the person of Jesus Christ and that person who is submitting themselves to the command of Jesus Christ. So there's three points. Jesus' command about baptism, the apostles' declaration about baptism, and the basis of our life in Christ is in baptism. Okay, those three simple points. Let's go. What is baptism? First of all, it's Jesus' command. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, some of the last words that Jesus said. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, or you can bet on it, or you will know, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus' command. How many of you love Jesus? You want to do what he wants you to do, don't you? That, I believe, is reason to be baptized, if you haven't been baptized, to follow Jesus' command. Let me share with you my experience of baptism. I think you know that when I was 11 years old, I went to live with my aunt and uncle, who actually became my mom and dad. And my uncle was a pastor. He was a church planter in the United States and planted many churches, mostly in the western part of the United States. But one of the things that is very curious about him as a pastor I never saw him baptize anyone. So when I came to live with him, I was 11 years old, and that summer I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. But nobody said, well, Ron, are you, do you want to be baptized? In fact, you know, I went to Bible college and was not baptized. From 11 years old all the way through my college years at a Christian college, no one ever 
said, Ron, are you baptized? Really? Even on the application to the Bible college I went to, I don't remember ever filling that out, and I surely wouldn't lie and say, yeah, I've been baptized. But I wasn't baptized. But I accepted Jesus Christ. In fact, I got married and nobody said, Ron, are you baptized? In fact, I don't even think my wife asked me that. She said, do you have any other girlfriends? But I said, no. (laughs) But she never asked me, are you baptized? Because I don't want to be married to somebody who's not baptized. Amazing, isn't it? And then, you know what? We joined a mission organization to Alaska, applied to go to Alaska and work under a couple in Alaska as missionaries. Nobody asked me, are you baptized, Ron? Amazing that all those years, and I I never had a sense about it. And to this day, I wonder, did I ever think, am I really a Christian? Yeah, there were times when I did, when I thought, am I really a Christian? And I don't know whether being baptized or not would help you to understand that, but I trust that after this message that there would be a greater understanding of what it means to be baptized and to declare your faith through baptism. We even went to a Baptist church, would you believe it? And they even asked me to teach the young adults Bible class. But the pastor never even asked me, are you baptized? And I'm in a Baptist church. (laughs) But someone along the way there, about that time, said, Ron, when were you baptized? I've never been baptized. I was 25 years old. I've been a Christian for 13, 14 years and never been baptized. And so I said, no. I just never have done it. And so the pastor said, well, let's baptize you before you teach our adults here, our our young adults. And so I was baptized. And for me, it was not life-changing, but it was a deeper understanding of what Jesus Christ had done in my life. Am I glad that I, I waited that long? No, I wish I'd known it right from the very beginning because I struggled for a long time as to whether I really was a Christian. And I never thought it was connected with baptism. Point here is, it's Jesus' command for us to baptize new believers in Jesus Christ. Very, very important. Jesus saw it as significant, and we'll learn why. Second point is, it's the apostles' declaration, because they heard Jesus talk about that. Of course, they had seen and met Jesus right at John's baptism. Now, John's baptism, and I'm not going to go into the fine points of the difference between what Jesus was talking about in baptism and what John was talking about except that John's baptism had to do with confessing your sins, taking public notice, I am a sinner. 
and I need to have God's righteousness shown in my life. And so in hearing John the Baptist preaching, yes, I am a sinner. You are pointing to me. Even though I know the law, I need to acknowledge I am a sinner. Even though I keep the law fervently, I am a sinner. John's baptism didn't go far enough. Jesus himself even submitted to John's baptism, which didn't go far enough. But Jesus had not fulfilled his whole ministry. And when he did, by dying on the cross for us and becoming the sacrifice lamb for us, then the whole process of our salvation was complete. And so because of that, Jesus brought that greater understanding of what it means to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just John's baptism. Yes, I'm a sinner. And many of us can easily say, well, yeah, I'm not perfect. And we can say it honestly, or we can say it flippantly, or we can say, well, I'm, you know, what do you think I am? But I'm not a sinner. I'm, I'm not perfect. But when we come to understand what Jesus was asking of us in being baptized, it's very important that we understand the depth of what baptism is. And that's what the, apostle, the apostle's duty was. Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit had just come and there had been an incredible act of God in revealing his power and his love to this, these believers who had waited expectantly for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38 Then as Peter stood up and preached and the people who heard him preach, What shall we do? They asked. And Peter said, repent. Now that was familiar because John had been preaching that. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the difference between John's baptism and what Jesus meant for us in carrying it forward to his full, complete sacrifice on the cross for us and removing sin forever from us who put our trust in Jesus Christ. And for us to just personally confess our sins, yeah, I'm not perfect, you aren't either. It's not good enough. It has to be in a substitutionary death on our behalf by the sacrifice lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Also in Acts 2.41, so then those who received his word, Peter's word, were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people got baptized that day. Wow. That's a lot of people. I'd like to be in a baptismal service like that. See the line of 3,000 people coming. Lots of water needed. 
but the church received it wholeheartedly. That was a signature event. It wasn't just a happening. It was, hey, everyone notice. Baptism is important. Peter's sermon, then Philip, the Ethiopian, and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip was, you know, not really a preacher, but he, uh, he wasn't assigned to be a preacher, but he became a preacher by the power of the Holy Spirit. Philip was actually just a, I don't even know where Philip came from. He was one of the deacons serving tables. Now, that's not what our deacons do, but, well, sometimes they do here in, in MCC. But what Philip was and went down to become famous, but when they believed Philip's preaching, the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. And then Acts 8, 36 and 38. As they went along, and now this was a little bit a different thing that happened. Philip was the first person that I know about who was in a place preaching, and then all of a sudden he was out by an Ethiopian guy on a chariot going down a highway. And Philip was right there, and this guy stopped the chariot. Philip ran and jumped on the chariot, and they were talking and discussing about Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. And the Ethiopian guy said, I believe this. He had just come from Jerusalem and heard many things there. I believe what I read. How do I become saved? So this is the story. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch, a eunuch means somebody who is working as a, an official in a government that required that he be castrated and said, look, water, he said. What prevents me from being baptized? Is there anything that keeps me from being baptized? And he ordered the chariot to stop and they both, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water. It's probably a river or a stream or a pond. I don't know. Philip as well as the eunuch and he, Philip, baptized the eunuch. Then there was occasion of Peter, again, went to a man who was a Roman soldier or a uh, official, Cornelius, and through a miraculous uh, vision, God led Peter to this man's house. Acts 10 talks about that. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came upon those who were listening to the message. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then there was Paul and uh, in the town of Thyatira with the Philippian jailer and his family. Acts 16, 30 to 34. And after he, the jailer, uh, brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He had acknowledged and, and knew that Paul and his companions were different 
than the normal Christians that they had he had run into. And they said to him, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So it's not just for individuals, it's also for our households. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and he washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. Well, okay, in the church today, and you've probably heard this, maybe some of you have been baptized not by getting in the water, but by the water being put on you. And I don't argue against sprinkling, as we call it. I think the more water that we can have, the better demonstration of what it's like to have the fullness of God surrounding you and understanding what baptism is about. So I don't know how much water there was at the Philippian jailer's house. He was washing the wounds of Paul and his friends. So maybe he said, you guys have talked about baptism. And Paul says, well, what's hindering us? So maybe he took the rag that uh, they had been washing him and sprinkled the jailer and his family in the middle of the night. I don't know. It doesn't say they got into the water. So we're not saying, well, if you're sprinkled, it doesn't count. Baptism, I believe, is a picture of what it is for us to be saved and what the process of what God is doing in our life through his word. Okay, now we're getting down to the very core of what baptism is about. It's the basis of our life in Christ. The meaning of baptism is the basis of our Christian life. And you never get away from it. Or you shouldn't get away from it. You should recall it and understand it your entire life. It should have that impact on you. That's the thing I missed in my early Christian life. Of not having that to hold on to. Understanding what my position was in Jesus Christ. And here we go. Matthew 10, 32 to 33. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny him before my Father who is in heaven. I think that Jesus is talking about that specific time when you will stand before the church and say, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I understand that I am a sinner. I understand that he is my Savior. And I want to be baptized today. And I submit myself to this before you. And what it's talking about, let's go on to understand what what it's about. Everyone who confesses me before men, Romans 6, 3-6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead 
through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, surely we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. This is the reason why I prefer immersion with lots of water. That's why I love the river over in Higashikurume that there's a beautiful stream there. Did you know that that is, I think, the purest water that flows through Tokyo? That's what I've heard. It's an artesian well that supplies that water. Why not use it for baptism? It's a great symbol. And we've done a couple of those baptisms there, and I hope that we can utilize it the rest of the summer. Being immersed, going under the water, is like being identified with Jesus who was buried for three days and lay quietly in that tomb. And being raised up as Jesus was, he didn't raise himself up. God raised him from the dead. And so whoever facilitates, like for instance, the pastor or a deacon, raises you up out of the water. We don't hold you down for more than a minute. For some of you who are stubborn, I might want to do that. But we soon raise you up. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our death and our resurrection. That's the meaning of this. So that do you not know all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? We identify with his death His death is our death. Death to our self-life. Death to doing what we want to do. Where we become submitted to him to follow, be a follower of his. We're dying to ourselves. That's the meaning of baptism. Going into the water. And being lifted out, up. Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That's the theology. That's the understanding of what water baptism is about. If you haven't done that in your life, in your Christian life, and you would like to do that. We're looking forward to several people in the last several months have asked to be baptized. And so I said, well, when we get back, we will have uh, a gathering together of those who want to be baptized and we'll go over carefully our testimonies and our understanding of who Jesus Christ is in our life and what he's done for us. And it would be a grand opportunity for us as a church to join together and affirm one another in what our testimony truly is. Don't be like me, waiting till he's 25 to be baptized 
and nobody asked me. I think it's an incredible testimony, not only to your friends, but also to yourself. And a witness to those who love you, know you, a witness to your families, who will say, some of them here in Japan will say, do not be baptized. We have known people who have become Christians and gone home and told their parents, I'm going to be baptized. And the parents have said, no, you are not, or you get out of here. You leave our house. It happens here in Japan. Something about baptism has a huge threat on the false religion here in Japan. Baptism is very significant. And we've also experienced where a person says, yes, I want to be baptized. Yes, my parents or my friends are against it, but I want to be baptized anyway. And wouldn't you know it, the last couple of days before they're baptized, they'll call up and say, uh, I don't think I'm going to be baptized. The enemy, Satan, does not want us to demonstrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ being demonstrated in our life and our testimony. That is what baptism is about. It puts our unbelieving friends, neighbors, people who have known us all of our lives, our parents. It also puts Satan himself and his angels on notice. I am radical. I am a radical believer in Jesus Christ. And that's true particularly here in Japan. Consider, pray about it. Have you been baptized? Would you like to be baptized? Let us know. It will make a huge difference in your life. Not in the act, but in the fact of you understanding what Jesus Christ has done for you in dying for you and being raised again for your salvation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have shown us a, an incredible way. The world really doesn't understand it. But there is reality and truth and a whole dimension that would make so much difference in our lives, in our struggle against sin in our lives. Through what you have provided, what you have taught, what you have led us into. Jesus, we want to be identified with your death, that we also are dying to ourselves and our sin. And we want to experience also and give testimony to the fact that you have changed us. You have given us new life. And we can go on to face any resistance and obstruction. Thank you for your work in our hearts this morning. Thank you for what you have done for us on the cross. Thank you for your pleasure that you have in a sinner like us coming to you. 
and receiving the salvation of Jesus Christ in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.